morning. Uh, so today we're going to be continuing our series through uh, Philippians. This is our fourth message. Uh, this is going to be a little bit different than the previous messages in the past. I've kind of walked through uh, through the, the chapter, and, and we've been kind of going at a, a somewhat rapid pace. And uh, because of that, I just felt like we need to step back a little bit and and dig in a little bit deeper, specifically into some of the texts that we covered last week in chapter three. So there's going to be a little bit of repetition, but um, but I think it's going to be I don't know. To me, it just felt like like we were missing something. There's there's more there's more there that we didn't get out of it. So uh, last week we closed uh, with with uh, chapter seventeen, sorry, verse seventeen of chapter three. And it said, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. That's going to be kind of our key text for today. Uh, at the end of that verse, he says, he says, follow our example. He's not just talking about himself. And, and last week we looked at a couple other examples. We looked at the life of Timothy and we looked at Epaphroditus um, and we saw their devotion to God. We saw their, their faith. We saw their willing to sacrifice themselves for, for God and for others. And they were an example for the Philippians, just as Paul was an example for the Philippians. Um, none of them were perfect. They all had their, their ups and their downs, um, but they held tight to their faith and they kept on moving towards Jesus. They, they kept on looking forward. They, their desire was to be more and more like him. And, and that's the pattern that, that they set for us to follow. But like I said, Paul, Paul was talking to the Philippians. He was talking to people who knew him, who had a relationship with him. Um, they may have been a distance apart, but they were able to kind of pose questions to him, and he responded back to them. Um, they could get his counsel Paul can be an example to us, uh, but I think what he's saying is that we need to develop relationships with each other. We have to develop relationships with people who are walking closely with Christ, people who are alive today, so that um, so that they can they can show us a living pattern. We can't get the full picture of what it looked like for Paul to endure struggles. We we weren't there. We don't we don't know all of the extent of his ups and his downs and, 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 and the times of his weakness. And we, we can read it, but we don't get a full picture just reading about Paul. Um, we need to have relationships with someone who is, like I said, living today that can walk with us through issues, that can, that can teach us how to pattern our lives. Uh, I believe what Paul is getting at um, I believe that's what Paul is getting at. And that's why he didn't limit it. He didn't say, follow my example. He said, learn from those who follow our example. We see, uh, we see in fellow believers, um, when we see in fellow believers good fruit, when we see that they're, they are, they're strong in their faith and that, uh, and that they are growing closer to Christ, we can use their lives as patterns so that we can grow deeper into Christ, and so that we can bear good fruit. Uh, how many of you uh, have ever tried to to make uh, a dessert or a recipe? Follow, you know, trying to make like your grandma's pie or whatever it is. Uh, do you know that it's kind of important that you follow the directions? You know, you you have to use the the same ingredients. You have to you have to do it in the same steps. You have to cook it for the right amount of time at the right temperature. If you don't, it's it's not going to look like the recipe. When you look online, you see the picture of what it's supposed to look like when it's done. It's not going to look like that if you don't follow that same pattern that was set for you. I experienced that Thursday night, actually. I, right before bed, I had a little bit of a craving for some chocolate chip cookies. And, uh, and I, it was kind of late, and, and so I thought, well, maybe there's a fast way to make them. And so I looked, I looked online, and, and there was kind of this, this faster method of making them. Uh, I'm not going to go into the details of the recipe, but I will tell you, I didn't have all the ingredients. And so I took a little bit of liberties with the ingredients. And, uh, and I also, in my hurry, it's a little bit overrated as well. And so I just kind of, uh, and this, this is a true story. Sometimes this works out, okay? This was not one of those times. Um, in the end, they were not inedible, okay? They, they were near disgusting. <laughs> 
they, I, I ate a couple of them regardless because I, I put some effort into it. Um, but they, they were not going to win any prizes. There was, there was no baking contest that this was going to win a prize. If we, in our Christian walk, if we uh, are, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians, if we're running the race to win a prize, uh, we have to have some instructions if we're going to run well. We have to follow a pattern if we're going to run it well. We're not, we're not running in a way to win a prize. Paul is trying to become like Christ. Uh, Christ is the picture next to the recipe, and Paul is trying to, to display this recipe. He's trying to display this pattern of how we become like Christ. Um, when I was in my teens, uh, I don't know if exactly if this is how it went, but I feel like my dad was feeling that I was taking up too much room in his pole shed. And so we came up with this plan to build a, a yard barn to put all my stuff in. And I remember in the process of it, we, uh, we measured the width of the building, and on the cement floor inside the pole shed, we made some marks on the floor to kind of identify, you know, the width of the building and, and, and the, the shape of the rafter. And so it was kind of that barn-style truss or rafter. And um, so we laid it down on there, and we, we, we cut, cut the boards to the dimension, and we attached it all together. And then after we made that first one, we used it as a pattern for all the next ones. So we laid on top of them the same boards, cut at the same length, and held at the same angle, and nailed them all together so that they would match, so that they would be the same. We, we used a pattern, and it worked, it worked well. When we were done, we put all the, all the rafters up, and we laid the sheeting on there. It all laid nice and flat, and we were able to finish the building. Um, if we had not used the pattern, if we hadn't had set dimensions, they would have all been different lengths and we wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to put the roof together. Nothing would have, would have sat flat. Uh, one of the key points that Paul has been teaching us is that we need to have unity. We have to have oneness in spirit, oneness in faith. He said that we should all have the same attitude as what Christ had and that we, all of those who are spiritually mature will have the same set of foundational truths that, we are, that we're building upon. We, we all have to have the same pattern, right? Because if we don't, um, we're not going to be able to build up a church. The, the Bible says um, in Ephesians, it talks about how Christians are to be building up the church, that we're, we're building the church. In Ephesians uh, 4, 12, 13, it says, um, so he, he just finished listing the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers, and he says their responsibility is to equip God's people, that's all of us, equip us to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. He uses us. Um, this will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Christ is the standard. Um, I, I, when I, every time I read that, I think back to my old job, and they had you know kind of a quality department, and and they had different fixtures, little jigs. They would put parts in to make sure they measured up to that standard, that they met this quality. So it was, it was kind of a, a pattern for testing, but there was there was a standard that 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 we were trying to meet. That was the there was only one, one perfect standard. There wasn't several. There's one standard to go by. And so um, we're all part of building the church. Uh, and so as we continue in unity and faith, we begin to measure up more and more to that complete standard of Christ. And, and uh, Ephesians 4 continues in, in verses 15 and 16, and then it says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Growing in every way more and more like Christ happens as a result of patterning our lives after those who are mature in their faith. Um, and we are using, um, when we're all using the same pattern, it goes on in verse 16 and it says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So in order for us to fit together, we have to, we have to subscribe to this pattern. Um, in order for Christ to fit us together, he uses the body, the church, 
um, to provide instruction, to provide living and loving examples of what it looks like to pattern our lives after Jesus. Uh, moving back into uh, Philippians, uh, looking at uh, chapter 3, verse 12, first part of it anyways, it, it says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. What are these things that, that Paul is talking about? And we touched on this a little bit last week, but uh, he had just talked about his righteousness, his heritage, his training, his position in the community, his reputation for right living, his zeal. But those were not the things that he was striving to achieve. In fact, he, those were the things that he counted as garbage. He counted as worthless compared to the value of knowing Jesus Christ. Um, it is not that all those things were necessarily bad. Um, some of them, some of them may have been. Uh, obviously, the way he was, the way he was zealously following his uh, his faith was was bad prior to his conversion. Um, but but it's not all necessarily bad. If but if your goal is to be made right with Christ, it doesn't get you any closer to being right with Christ. We last week I gave a, a quick analogy about uh, swimmers in a river swimming upstream trying to reach a goal and if they look at the people behind them maybe feel good about themselves but if they're looking at the goal or at the riverbank they'd see that they're moving backwards. They they can't get to their goal on their own. That their their efforts are worthless to get to that goal. Only in Jesus can we reach the goal. Um, Philippians uh, 3 8 and nine, it says, for his sake, I have discarded everything, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. Gain Christ and become one with him. I, I, I don't know. Um, I was maybe going to talk about this at the end, but I just don't want to forget. During worship today, uh, you know, singing that, you know, he's worthy of it all. And, and I think in a lot of this, it's, it's very true, you know, that, uh, that we, we're giving up everything for the sake of gaining Christ, um, that we could gain Christ. But there's another side to it, too. Like, we, we give it up because he's worthy. He's worthy of it all. And so I, I just wanted to make sure that I input, inputted that in there because I just felt like that was... Uh, just impressed upon me strongly this morning. Just he's worthy. So, I mean, we get to gain Christ. We get to. I mean, it, it is something to strive for and desire and long for. But but he deserves the glory um, because he's worthy. So, um, so anyways, uh, Paul uh, says that he counts all of his righteousness as garbage so that he could gain Christ and become one with him. And then Paul goes on to define what it means to gain Christ. Um, in verses uh, 10 and 11, which I don't think I have up here, it, it, he talks about knowing Christ. He talks about experiencing his power, suffering with him, sharing in his death, and experiencing the resurrection. So with, with all that in mind, uh, he says um, in, in verse 12, he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. Um, I, I don't know about you, but when I when I read about like achieving things, I, like I mean, Paul just talked about how everything is worthless. All these all these works are worthless. But I still I hear the word achieve, and I go back to thinking that somehow I have to do something, that that it has something to do with my strength, my skill uh, being applied to a particular goal. And then when I reach that goal or I complete a task or whatever, I, I you know you kind of want to get some recognition, especially if you did it for somebody. You 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 have a desire to um, to for somebody to notice, to say something. It doesn't have to be big necessarily, but you just want somebody to notice your efforts, right? That's not the kind of achieving that Paul is talking about. Um, it appears to me that, that the, the things that he has not achieved, the perfection he has not reached, are, are the opposite of that. It's the opposite of doing things that you would get credit for. Um, we'll never be able to find perfection in our achievements or even... Uh, lasting value, but it's only found in Christ. Um, so that's been kind of the whole point leading up to this, is that uh, if we're counting on our accomplishments, accomplishments and our own strengths, uh, it's, it's, it's worthless. It's not going to get us anywhere. 
Um, it's not going to be anything lasting. There was a, a football movie. I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's a, a Christian football movie. Kyle, do you remember? We just watched it not that long ago. Facing the Giants. Yeah, Facing the Giants. So in there, he was talking to the the um, the football players, and he was asking them, you know, who won the championship, you know, last year, two years ago, four years ago, five years ago. Um, you know, they, they had a hard, they were struggling to figure out who won. You know, once he got more than a year or two back, nobody remembered that this huge accomplishment that all these kids were, were you know, so determined to get the championship, you know, but what does it really mean in, in the grand scheme of things? People don't even remember. It doesn't last. You need to, you're going to have to keep on trying to strive to achieve and achieve and achieve because your achievements, the, the value and the, the praise that you're looking for, it doesn't, it doesn't last. Um. So Paul was, had this different idea of what it meant to achieve other than trying to achieve on his own. Where did he get this idea from? Where, where did this pattern stem from? Uh, if we look back just one more chapter, back into chapter 2, uh, he had shared with us this like early church creed or this song um, that, that, they had in, that they apparently had in the early, early church. Um, and it said, it, it gave a picture of who, who Christ was and what, what, it, what his example was for us, how he humbled himself for us. And it's Philippians 2, 6 through 8, it said, this is just part of it, but it said, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Paul was desiring to pattern his life after Christ who, though he was God, did not think of equality with God as something to cling to, but he humbled himself completely to the lowest level, to the point of bearing our sin and our shame and a humiliating death on a cross. Paul had not yet achieved that level of dying to himself. In fact, none of us can really achieve that level because we're not starting from the same starting point. We don't have the same amount of, of glory and, and, and honor to lay down as what Christ had. Um, if we look at uh, chapter 3, verse 10 in the New King James, he, it says it this way. It says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering and being conformed to his death. This is the, the reason that he determined to die to himself. So that he could know him. So that he could experience the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings conform to his death. He wants to know Jesus in every way possible, even including in his suffering and in his death. He, he, he isn't going to just hold loosely to the gospel and to his faith. He, he's not going to um, allow it to, to keep, you know, just kind of uh, keep it at a distance so he doesn't have to suffer any of the persecution from it or so that he can be accepted by the world or so that he can feed some of his own cravings. He's going to cling to it. He's gonna, he wants to know Jesus in it all. He's gonna, he wants to be like Jesus. He wants Jesus to shine through him, and he wants to experience Jesus as who he is who he is and, and how, he, how he lived on earth and, and to live th let him live through him. Um, he's going to lay down his life so that he might gain Christ. That, that's the, the heart, that's the heart of the pattern that Paul is, is trying to display and that we display to one another. If we are uh, to fellowship with Christ in his sufferings and be conformed in his death, uh, we have to, as Paul did and as Christ did, we need to count uh, our own greatness or our own worth as as worthless and not something to cling to. Let go of any of hope that we have, any any value or trust that we have in our own strength and our own abilities. Uh, there's a a pretty famous preacher. Uh, he, he has some commentaries written on his some of his writings. Uh, his name was Alexander McLaren, and uh, he talked about this verse, and he wrote. One of his most frequently, speaking of Paul, says one of his most frequently and reoccurring and most cherished thoughts is that to suffer for Christ 
is to suffer with Christ. And in it, he found, and it teaches us to find, strength to endure and patience that outlasts any sorrow, any sorrows that may swoop in like birds to prey upon us because we are Christians. Happy shall we be if Christ's sufferings are ours because it is in union with him and our likeness with him, not, not to ourselves or our sins or our worldliness, that is their occasion. So it's, in other words, he's saying that when we suffer with Christ, it's evidence that we are becoming like Christ and that Christ is in us, that, we're, that we are becoming one with him. That's, that's the reason for the suffering. So it gives us reason for joy that we are becoming more and more like our Savior, the more and more that, like the one that we are surrendering our lives to. Um, and that in it, we find ourselves experiencing what it's like to be with Christ. Because when we suffer in Christ, we're suffering with Christ. Um, you may remember uh, Paul before he was called Paul, when he was called Saul and he was walking along the road to Damascus and Jesus appeared to him and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, Jesus had already died and ascended. He wasn't chasing after Jesus. He was chasing after these Christians, right? But Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? Because those Christians were suffering with Christ. Christ was in them and with them. And so... Um, when we think we are, uh, sorry, when we are in Christ, we are suffering with Christ. He's with us in our sufferings, and it's in those sufferings that we get to know him more deeply, um, that we learn to trust in him more fully. In 2 Corinthians 1.5, it says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will show us his comfort through Christ. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. I don't know about you, but when, uh, when my faith has felt weak in the past, I remind myself of the times that I have felt the nearest to Christ, the times I, that, that Jesus has felt the most near to me. And the times that I, Jesus has felt the most near to me are times that I have been suffering, specifically when I feel like I'm suffering for Christ. When I'm trying to do, do something for him and I feel some sort of an a, attack against me or, 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 or somebody's, you know, looking down on me or, you know, I, I don't know what it is. I guess there's a couple occasions. I, I'm not going to go into the details because I actually have a lot to go through today. But, but, but it's in those moments where we're suffering for Christ and that we stop relying on ourselves and we rely on him and strength that we find the, the, the most amount of joy, the most amount of strength. And, and it doesn't have anything to do with our circumstances. The, the circumstances don't have to change and we can experience a joy in the midst of it. And, uh, and we find that, that the end result is greater than the pain that we may be felt on the front end. It's in suffering that we experience a closeness to Christ, that we uh, fellowship. There's a, I, I love that, that word, a fellowship with him in his sufferings. There's a fellowship that happens when we suffer with Christ. Um, and, and there's nothing that can, can, can exceed uh, what, we, what we can re receive from him through it. Um, the next part, verse 10 says, con, uh, the next part that I talked about in verse 10 was conforming to his death. That does not mean that we need to die on a cross. Uh, but rather that we're striving to offer our lives as living sacrifices to God. Paul in 2 Corinthians, uh, he was talking about us being ambassadors uh, for Christ. In uh, chapter 5, verse 13 through 15, it says, if, we, if it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. And I just want to highlight here that uh, this is not one of those verses that you can just pull out on its own and apply to your life, you kind of have to have some context here. Um, I do think it would be a fun t-shirt idea. I may, I, I think I probably already use this a little bit with my wife when she rolls her eyes at me. I can say, hey, you know, if I seem crazy, it, it's just to bring glory to God. So it's biblical. Um, but that's, that's, that's taken a little bit out of context. That's what I'm saying. We, have, we maybe shouldn't do that, but, you know, it, it can be useful in certain situations. Um, uh, but anyways, you know, what he's really talking about here is that um, there were times when he shared his faith and he talked about the gospel. And he talked about Jesus being God and dying and raising again and that he's going to have new life through Christ. And people who don't believe that, 
It seems insane. It seems like you're crazy. You're crazy. That's what they say. And so, um, but he's, he's not going to run from that. He's, you know, if it's, if, if I sound crazy, it's because I'm believing things that are, are beyond what, what you would normally, what, what the world would understand. These are, these are things that God can do that's above and beyond human comprehension. And so if I seem crazy, it's to bring glory to God. Um, still trying to find my spot here. Here we go. Um, so carrying, continuing on in verse 14 says, uh, either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Now, Paul, he was, before he became a Christian, he was kind of in the realm of the religious elites. Uh, he was a Pharisee. He was, he was a kind of a top-tier Pharisee. He was on special councils. He, uh, he had status prior to his conversion. And when you look in the Gospels and you read about the Pharisees, and I, I don't know that they were all bad, but, but many of them displayed attitudes that were um, not good. They, were, they, they looked down on the sick and the poor. Um, anybody whose sins were made public, they, they, they looked down on. They, didn't, they weren't trying to help and lift up. They were, they were raising themselves above them. Um, but Paul, who was with them, he was, he was a Pharisee. He was in that mix. But when he had surrendered his life to Jesus and he became filled with the Holy Spirit and he was following, um, following Christ, he became a servant of slaves. He became weak to those who were weak. He counted himself as the worst of sinners. He didn't cling to any of his own righteousness. So going back to, to chapter 3, verse 12, after he had said he hadn't achieved any of these things or that he hadn't received Perfection, he said, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ has first possessed me. He said, um, continuing verse 13, he said, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. So as I, uh, as I read this section of verses, I kind of again get that same sort of feeling um, that, it, that it's somehow about myself or about works. There's just the words that are used. Um, he's not referring to our works, but it, just in my head, it kind of pulls me that way. When I hear press on and achieve and race and prize, um, you know, like these are all like, you know, effort, you know, and, I, and we oftentimes can think of our own effort, but it's not about our own effort in trying to do those things. It's in our effort to surrender to Christ. So um, when, we, when we do think of it as our own efforts that we have to do, 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 some of these things can become a burden to us. They can become a weight that we carry, that we have to achieve it. And we have to, we're wondering, what, what else do I have to do? What else do I have to do? What do I have to do? Um, it's not about what you have to do. Um, faith comes first, and works come as a result of the faith that he's causing to grow in us. As we grow more in our faith, those works come more and more to the service, not, not of our own efforts, but Christ living through us. Um, if we were a tree, our faith would be our roots planted deep into the soil, Nobody can see our faith. Nobody can see the roots, but they can see the effects of our faith. Um, when a tree is healthy, um, you can see it. You can see it by the leaves. If it's a fruit-bearing tree, you can see the fruit on it, and you can tell it's a healthy tree. I, I had an apple tree that a, a few years ago, it was weird because it, it had leaves. I think it even had apples the year before, and, and I don't know exactly what happened, but the next spring it didn't grow any leaves and, uh, and I went and pushed on it, and the thing fell right over. The roots had just, like, rotted out. Um, it, was, it was just amazing how quickly it happened. Now, I could have tried to stake it up and maybe, you know, tape some leaves on it. Uh, it, it still wouldn't have produced any fruit. The leaves wouldn't have looked good for very long. Um, it, it just it doesn't work. You know, it needs to have those, that root of faith in order to produce. That's, that's what causes it to. It's what gives it the, the power, the, the nutrients, in order to do what it, it's meant to do. Um, 
we can try to look good, uh, but it won't cause us to do anything of eternal value if it's just by our own efforts. For us to press on and to look forward towards the prize, uh, for us to follow the pattern, uh, is for us to keep on surrendering our lives so that Christ can more fully live in us. It's, it's a process. In order to do that, we have to have faith. We have to have faith that Jesus is the Son of God, um, that he died for us, that he forgave us, um, that he rose again so that we can have eternal hope for, for a future with him. If we're not operating with faith as the catalyst that, that causes new life in us, that is causing us to look different and to live different, um, it's, then it's just us living by our own strength. And, and anything that we do in our own strength, it's not going to have value. It's just our own ideas. It's just our own efforts. Um, Hebrews 11.6 says, but, f- but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. There are good works that God has prepared for us to do, but we don't have to carry them as a burden on our backs. Instead, we need to let go and make room for Christ to live in us and to fill us up. As we let go of our nature and he fills us with his nature, it just becomes natural. It doesn't become we have to. It becomes this is who I am. This is who I am in Christ. Um, Then the good works that he has planned for us to do are not things that we strain to accomplish. Um, They're things that just God works in us. The verse I I keep coming back to, I've mentioned it, I think, in the last couple weeks. I I just really like it. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He has prepared good works in advance that we can only do through Christ living in us and through us. If you're feeling like, uh, like it's a burden, like the things that you're trying to do are a burden, you have to ask yourself, a few questions. I don't know if these are all the questions to ask, but these are, these are the things that popped in my mind that I just, like, is this something that God has really called me to do? Is this, is this what God has called me to do? Because it, it might feel like a burden if it's not really a place that God has called you to be. Um, also, uh, am I trying to do it in my own strength? Like God can call you to do something, and then you can go and kind of forget that he's the one <laughs> that's supposed to be doing it through you. And you can have your own ideas and thoughts of how you're going to do it, and you can forget to, to do it with him as your strength. And uh, a third thing is, have I, have I truly surrendered my will? You know, Is there still an internal battle that's going on over who's really in control? Am I fighting with God over, over the throne of my life? Is that, is that why it feels like a burden to move forward because I have conflicting directions that I'm hearing? Um, it's, not, it's not necessarily easy. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have to lay down our lives. That's, that's not an easy thing. It's not complicated necessarily. Sometimes it can. Sometimes it can be hard to f- figure out what part, you know, what part is it that I'm still holding on to. You know? Sometimes it takes a little prayer and meditation to, to have the Holy Spirit kind of reveal to you, what is it that I need to let go of? But going back uh, to our key text, Philippians 3.17 says, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. We need, sometimes when we're wrestling with those things, we need a real person to talk to that can, that's also wrestled, wrestled with those things. And if nothing else, to know that it's okay <laughs> to wrestle with those things. Now, feel like somehow you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, you, have, you have less worth or less value or something because you're, because you're wrestling through your faith, because you're, 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 you're struggling to die to yourself. Paul hadn't achieved all those things. Nobody here has achieved all those things. We're still trying to lay down pieces of ourselves so that Christ can live more fully through us. Um, speaking of this pattern that, that Paul was setting, here's another quote from Alexander McLaren. He says, uh, what he, what Paul desires them to copy is his distrust, his self-distrust. We want them to copy is his self-distrust, his willingness to sacrifice all things to win Christ, 
his clear sense of his own shortcomings and his eager strainings towards as yet unreached perfection. His humility is not disproved by these words, um, but what is remarkable is that in them is this clear consciousness uh, of this clear conscience of main direction and set of life. So he had this, this clear direction and set of life that was displayed. He, it wasn't pride saying that he was laying these things down um, or that he was admitting his shortcomings as if, I mean, I don't know, maybe somebody could take pride in, in admitting their shortcomings. I don't know if that's possible. But, but what was clear is he was saying that his main direction or set in life was to, to, to lay those things down and that he was going to uh, gain Christ, grow in Christ as he laid down his own life, his own desires. Um, for those of you, actually I'm going to back up. In, his, in Paul's forward focus towards Christ, um, it, it, was his, it was his focus towards Christ that's what mattered. It, it, it wasn't um, his perfect living. It wasn't his perfection in right living. Okay, so some of us might feel like we're not worthy to be a Paul in somebody else's life. You know, that we're not living up to some sort of level of perfection. But perfection in right living is not the qualification. The pattern that, that he's displaying is, is a persistent faith being paired with being humble enough to admit your shortcomings and, and, and to not take credit for your achievements. So we can still stumble, but if we're looking forward, if we're trusting in Christ, if we're growing in our faith, we can still be, a, we can still be somebody who is, is uh, able to be an influencer to the people around us. We can, none of us, if we all wait to be perfect, we, we can't help anybody. Um, but so um, it's Christ in us that makes us worthy. You know, we, we just display the parts that, that Christ has already filled, you know, the other stuff we admit, that's me. <laughs> I'm, I'm still not there yet, but what I do know, what I have achieved, you know, we can, we can talk about what we have achieved or what, what Christ has completed in us or has, has, has developed in us. Those are things that we've achieved. We haven't achieved the fullness of Christ, but we've, we've grown in some degree that we can share with, with the people around us. If I was to add anything or add something to what the, this pattern that Paul is displaying, he he demonstrates a passionate faith. He loves Jesus, and when he, uh, um, when he sees people, like last week we talked about the Judaizers and how they were, they were kind of stealing from the glory that Christ deserved by trying to make themselves kind of co-redemptors in Christ, pushing people into having to obey the, the law. Um, when he sees that sort of thing happening, it grieves him. And, uh, and we see that a little bit in this next part, though I don't think he's talking about the Judaizers. He says uh, in Philippians 3.18, he says, For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are real enemies of the, of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Um, this is the way most of the world operates. They, they're focused on, on themselves. Um, it was directly opposed to the pattern that, that the Christians were living by, the, the pattern that Jesus demonstrated, the pattern that Paul was showing. Um, and, and Paul kind of highlights three main things that are contrary to what the Christian pattern is. So the, the first thing that he highlights is their God is their appetite. Basically, it just means that they're their own God. Uh, they place themselves as the supreme authority in their lives of what's right, what's wrong. They worship themselves instead of worshiping the one who created them. The pattern of the Christian is that God is on the throne, that we've laid down our lives in worship to the one true creator in heaven and earth that loves us and sent his son to redeem us. And we surrender our lives to God's supreme authority. The, the second thing that they list that he listed was that they brag, this pattern of the flesh is that they brag about shameful things. You know, we've seen other places in the Bible where it talks about how they'll call good evil and evil good. Um, they boast about themselves 
in a desire to receive praise. They, like I talked about earlier, <laughs> and, and you have to keep on struggling if you want to keep on receiving that praise. It kind of gets forgotten over time if you're not always achieving, achieving, achieving. But but they they are boasting about themselves. Um, the pattern of the Christian is that we brag in Christ. We brag about what Christ has done. In Galatians uh, 6.14, it says, As for me, may I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in the world has been crucified, and the world's interest in me has also died. We have no need to seek the praises of men if we're living for the glory of God. Uh, our only hope is to hear one day, well done, my good and faithful servant, from the creator of the universe, from a God who is worthy of us surrendering our lives. Um, we have that in our future. The praises of men don't have any power to give us any peace. They, they can't give us a clear conscience. Uh, but in Christ, even if we're rejected by the world, even if we're, we're, we're turned away by people and we don't feel like we fit in, we can find more joy in Christ than what they could ever offer. The pattern of the flesh, the third thing that he mentioned, is that they think only of life here on earth. Those who follow this type of philosophy, um, they only have hope for today. Uh, what happens when sickness comes? What happens when trials come? Their life no longer has any meaning because they don't have any pleasure in it. If there's no pleasure in today, then it's, there's, it's all lost. There's no hope. Um, when they get to be old, all they can hope for is that they'll die swiftly, you know? Uh, but, but they don't realize that, that there's more to that end. They're, they're headed towards destruction, it said. A life that's lived only for themselves and for the moment not only loses out on heaven, but it reaps the wages of their sin and their disobedience. But as Christians, we're eagerly waiting for Jesus to return as our Savior. We have a hope. Uh, those who are headed to destruction, it said their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about life here on earth. But then in verse 20 it says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior he will take our weak and mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. We know that this is not the end, that we have a Lord and Savior who overcame death in the grave and he's coming back for us. We have a hope that extends beyond this moment. Uh, beyond any temporary pain, any trial that we might be going through, we still have a hope. Um, and we can, and we, and eternal life is, is a, I think, another thing we have to kind of keep reminding ourselves. Oftentimes we think of eternal life and we always think of the future, and there is the future aspect, but eternal life is now. It's knowing Jesus Christ. We are alive in Him today. And so even in the temporary pain here, we still have a way to have joy and to have peace in the midst of it. We don't have to wait for the future. In Christ, we have it here and now. When life gets tough, Christ draws near. When our bodies fail, we can know that, that in Christ we have a new body coming. Uh, when people hurt us, we have a God that loves us and is, will never leave us and will never forsake us. And, and I mean, how much greater, I mean, a person May, may, may let you down, but we have a God who will never. Like, I mean, just the contrast between who we're getting this, um, who this relationship is with, the, where this love is coming from. We have a God that will never forsake us. The God, <laughs> and I don't like to say a God, but, uh, but you know what I mean. Uh, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ pretty sure I forgot to have the worship team come up. So if I <laughs> thought I put a note in here somewhere, but I, I think I did not. Uh, actually, I, I found a spot where I wanted to put the note, but I failed to do so. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, so Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Uh, his pattern says, 
And this pattern kind of speaks to us saying, you know, I've tested the waters and they are good. I've endured the storm and I've experienced Christ with me and that it was worth it. It was worth it to go through the storms because in them I met Christ. He's saying just surrender, just get off the throne of your life and let him lead. It is not, uh, I said before, it's not easy to die to yourself. Um, That's why Paul hadn't achieved all these things. Um, You know, I, I don't know. I've experienced that a lot. Uh, I think we all have experienced that. Anytime you're you're trying to uh, you're trying to walk with Christ, when you're trying to grow in your faith, when you try to um, trying to to uh, when you're trying to to lay down your life, it, it it can feel difficult. It can feel hard when you when you're. Sometimes you know I mentioned you know how sometimes things can feel like a burden. You know even when you when you are are walking with Christ. Even when you're, when you, when you have a clear knowledge of what he wants you to do, um, you may find in that walk, in that calling, you have to lay down something that you've been holding on to, you know, that, that you, that you're not, you're not uh, able to accomplish it, uh, without further surrender, you know? And so, uh, so it's not, it's not always easy. You know, we have to, uh, we have to, uh, struggle sometimes to lay down to, to Jesus, to die to ourselves. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's a daily task. Talk about daily taking up our cross, crucifying ourselves so that Christ can live in us. Um, but with eyes looking forward and not behind, we keep pressing forward. We keep pressing forward. But why? Be- not, like I said, to gain Christ, yes, but because he's worthy also. I don't, I don't, I don't know where to put them. <laughs> like, like to gain Christ is awesome. We get to spend eternity with him, but he's so worthy. Like, he would be, even if he wasn't going to redeem us, he's still worthy of our praise. But he did redeem us, and, and, he, and, he, and we do get to gain Christ. And so we have these two things that are just like calling us, like, lay down your life. He's, he's the creator. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. He's, he's the one who, who made us in the universe, and, he, and, and he's worthy. Um, he, he took us when we were lost and brought us back to him. He's worthy. Uh, we have a future in him of glory that, that we get to look forward to. He's worthy. Um, as we run this race, we can we we become stronger as we go. You know, sometimes in a race, you know, you kind of imagine that that in a race you would get more tired at the end, right? But we're running a race where the more we lay down our lives and the more we take up Christ's strength, we get stronger as we go. The more you walk with Christ, the more you fellowship in His suffering, the more you conform to His death by dying to yourself. The the stronger we get because it's not us living in us anymore; it's Christ living through us. We are to be living examples to one another, living patterns that uh, that that we can follow, uh, that can help mold us. As iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. So let us be united in one spirit, in one faith, one body, discipling one another in our faith. Husbands and wives can disciple each other. Parents and children um, can can disciple each other. Probably more the children, parents of the children. They've walked a little bit further down that road of faith, but you can learn from your kids too. Um, brothers and sisters in Christ, as we all are, uh, we need to disciple one another. We have to, and you can't do that without knowing each other, without having a relationship. So come to family camp. <laughs> you know, hang out after service, get together at each other's house, have a meal together at some point, um, grow together as a as a body. Um, and then you, you can talk about, you know, what are the things that you're struggling through? You know, I, maybe I've been through it. Maybe I have some experience or maybe I can encourage you in saying, hey, you know what Christ did as I, you know, as I was going through a similar experience and how he lifted me up? Um, we, we get to display this pattern of how when we lay down our life, Jesus uh, strengthens us and lifts us up. 
Lord, we just uh, we just honor you. We uh, we know that you are worthy, worthy of all praise, all glory, and all honor. Lord, we desire to know you more. Help us to uh, to surrender, Lord. Help us to recognize uh, the things that we need to surrender. Speak to us by your Spirit. Help us to grow in you and to be living examples to one another of how to uh, serve you, how to surrender to you, how to, how to walk through the trials and the issues that we run into in life, uh, clinging tightly to the faith that we have in you and the trust that we have in you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, oftentimes I, uh, I wake up in the morning with a, with a song in my head. Almost, almost every morning I have some sort of song in my head. And, uh, and this morning I woke up with a song which I thought was very fitting. Um, I don't remember hearing it recently, but, you know, it's on the radio a lot. Uh, but it was, uh, it's a Zach Williams song, A uh, Little More Like Jesus. And uh, every verse ends with the words, Lord, help me be. So the, the chorus becomes like a prayer. So he's, Lord, help me be a little more like mercy, a little more like grace, a little more like kindness, goodness, love, and faith, a little more like patience, a little more like peace, a little more like Jesus, a little less like me. And I thought, well, how fitting is that to have that song in my head on, on today? So I just thought, a little more like Jesus and a little less like me. Uh, yeah. So remember, God's on the throne. Brag about Jesus, even if it makes people think you're crazy. Uh, eagerly await his return. Go in the power of the Holy Spirit, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to the glory of God. Amen. Yeah.